As we begin 2022 and look to the coming year, we must remember to look to God on how, in all seasons, we can partner with Him in order to stay the course. Hi everyone, and Church Online. Yeah, my name is Manny, if I haven't met you, one of the associate pastors here. Uh, if this is your first time here, you know, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, it's always our heart as a church to see you continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will see a communicator card on the data seat in front of you. Please fill that out. Let us know you're here, and if there's any way we can serve you. After the service, take it to the info center in the lobby for a special gift. For Church Online, you go to our website, you click the Plan a Visit button to fill out the online communicator card as well. And whenever you're able to join us in, in person, uh, just stop by the lobby and get your own special gift. For Westridge family, uh, use the same communicator card for prayer requests, praise reports, any updates or comments, and drop them in the Titan offering boxes. They're located at the back of the sanctuary and each of the exit doors. And Titan offering, talk about that, is always our joy, which is an extension of our worship to give to the Lord. You can drop your Titan offering in the, any of the Titan offering boxes, or you can give securely online at westridge.cc. So thank you. So this morning or this week, I get the honor of closing out the message series on Stay the Course that Pastor John started. And I hope that this has been inspiring you to continue to stay the course no matter what. So today we're concluding the series uh, on that stay the course by ending with Jesus giving instructions of his second coming. And you see, the church has known for 2,000 years that Jesus is coming again. So we're looking forward to his return. And as believers, you and I, our only goal is to make sure we stay the course no matter what, so that we can be at the finish line when God is waiting for us so that we can spend our eternity with him and we will be rewarded with his eternal life in the kingdom. And Jesus didn't want us to miss out on the promise of eternal life. So he gave us three different parables in Matthew 25, which we're going to look at today, which contains three different ways to look at his return. You see, and please, please know that this is not to frighten us or to get us scared. But Jesus is helping us understand that no matter what, you stay the course, I stay the course, and all together, folks, we stay the course. So because in the final analysis, friends, when it's all said and done, the most important thing in all of life here on earth is to get to spend our eternity with Jesus Christ, period. So we will go over the parables of the ten virgins, the talents, and the sheep, and the goats. And we'll look at the lessons in there for our encouragement to stay the course until Jesus' second coming. So, but I would like to start with three questions about life, though. Why are we here? Where are we going from here? How do we get there? Of course, the answers to these questions are found in a lot of passages in the Scripture. And Jesus made them very clear in Matthew chapter 25. And we will start with verses 1 through 13, the parables of the wise and foolish virgins. And I read. 
Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet uh, the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamp. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish virgin said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Verse 12 says, But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And here is the warning. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day, nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You see, these ten virgins, at least they are people who were outwardly at Jesus' followers and those who are eagerly looking for his return. So Jesus is saying in this story that the wedding preparation had been made, the bridal party had been selected, and these ten virgins were to be in attendance at the wedding feast, and they will play a key role. In other words, these ten virgins are to welcome the groom, honor the groom, and fully and active present in the wedding feast of the groom. But the point of the parable, of course, is what divided them. We were told that five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. Can you imagine coming to a wedding celebration without the necessary preparation for the wedding feast? These foolish virgins have no oil in their lamps, which is the main ingredient needed for their lamps to be illuminated at night so they can see at the nighttime. You see, it's like going to a dark place with a flashlight without any form of powering device. And the question becomes, what good is a flashlight without a powering device in it when it's needed for illumination to bring up light? And I want you to know that there is a specific symbolic significance of oil as seen throughout the Bible. You see, the primary use of the symbol of oil in the Bible was for the Holy Spirit. And this will mean that five of these virgins came without the Holy Spirit. Of course, they had the wedding garments, all right. They had the invitation. In fact, they were in good standing with the bride. But they were absent in the most important thing. The Spirit of God. In other words, these foolish virgins had all the rest of the things that the wise virgins had in common. But they were lacking that which was essential that would allow them to fully participate in this wedding feast. Notice that the wise and the foolish virgins, they slept. They all slumbered. But the difference in them was that some had the Holy Spirit which was represented by the oil, to power them through the night, through the storm, to wherever it is, 
why some did not have it, because they were not genuine believers. And that's why Jesus said to them in verse 12, when they call him Lord, Lord, he said, no, 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 I do not know you. And this should not surprise us because when Jesus was concluding his sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, he said the same thing to those who were not true believers. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he declared to them, I never knew you. Why did he say that? Because they never really had personal relationship with him. Even they call him Lord, Lord, but they never really know him personally. And that was the challenge for them when they called Lord, Lord. So our Lord concludes this parable with a warning saying, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And the attitude for Jesus' follower, you and I, during this future period is to watch. Which means we are to stay awake, we are to be alert, and be engaged in the service of God. And stay the course no matter what. The next is the parable of the talent, which is verses 14 through 30. The parable of the talents. And I read. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Who called his own servant and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one. To each according to his own ability. And he immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents. Went and traded with them. And made another five talents. Likewise he who had received two talents. Uh, Gain two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lost money. Verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of all those servants came and set to accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he would received the one talent, came and said, listen to this guy, Lord, I need you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you need that I reap where I have not sown, Gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I will receive back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And we have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And the Lord said, and cast this unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think you will agree with me that this is a very simple story because 
The point is, we need to realize that the focus is still on the responsibility of Jesus' follower for what they are to do before his second coming. What we are to do before his second coming. So this parable tells the story of a wealthy man went away in a long journey. And before he went, he took his treasures, everything, and trusted them to three servants by giving them what he called talents. Of course, in the ancient world, a talent is a, could be a measured weight of gold or silver or bronze. And if we have to take it back to today, a talent today is between $960 and $28,000 just for one talent. And now, when you think about that much responsibility that was given to them and they couldn't fulfill it, and it becomes a problem for the unfaithful servant. So Jesus didn't tell us which one, whether it's a gold or silver or bronze. But back then, you have to realize that a talent is a lot of money. So, and we can also say that because back in the passage, he said, he given each one according to his own ability. So which means we can also say that talent represents opportunities to use our abilities. So we can also conclude to that. So to one is given five talents, to another is given two talents, to another is given one talent. But notice this though, the servant were divided into two categories, the faithful and the unfaithful. What did the faithful servant do? They took their talent, they took their opportunity, and they put them to work for the Lord and for his kingdom. On the unfaithful servant though, he had his talent in the ground. Instead of using his opportunities, he buried them. When you think about it, though, he did not deliberately do evil. But by doing nothing, he was committing sin and depriving his Lord of service and increase for the kingdom. So you see, not doing good when you know it is the moral equivalent of doing evil. Not doing good when you know it is the moral equivalent of doing evil. Kind of like not telling the truth. When you know it by saying nothing, it's as bad as lying. So, and when I think about it, this is so true for the body of Christ. Doing nothing in the body of Christ that God has made available to you and I means that I'm denying, you're denying the body of Christ, the benefits of the talents, of the opportunity, that the Lord God has deposited inside of me, inside of you. And this is known as sin of formation. So to whom was given five talents doubles the master's money. To whom was given two talents also doubles the money. And the third servant added no value whatsoever to what was given to him. Why did he do that? Because he was afraid he might fail. He was so scared and he never tried to succeed. That's what he said. He said, I'm afraid. So I went and hid. And this paralyzed him with anxiety so much so that he buried the talent to protect it. What am I afraid of that I'm trying to hide instead of coming out and using my opportunities? But unfortunately for him, this parables focuses on the productivity of Jesus' follower, the bearing of fruit for his kingdom, for his sake. So Jesus is calling attention to his followers, you and I, the followers of Christ, that 
We must be vigilant before his second coming. That we must be diligent before his return. That we must be faithful, be productive with what has been given to us in time, in talent, in treasure for his kingdom purposes and our blessings. In other words, Jesus wants us, wants his followers to be faithful, to be wise, to be fruitful in what God has entrusted to us. Now let's look at what the master response was to the first two. When the man with the five talents says, here is the five you gave me, here is another five. The master said, well done. You are a good servant, you are a faithful servant, and you are a fruitful servant. Because you are faithful and fruitful with little. I'm going to make you responsible for more things. So you can move from faith to faith. So you can move from more fruit to more fruit. So you can move from productivity to productivity. So go ahead and enter into the joy of your Lord. The same message was given to the servant that doubles the two talent. Even though he was given less talent, but he was just as productive with what God has given him. So what does the owner say to the third man? The man who took his talent and buried it in the ground. Watch this. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. You sow what you don't reap. You gather what you don't scatter. It's mindset. He has a fearful mindset. Negative mindset towards his master. Even though the master wasn't like that. He was just giving him opportunity to do that. So the Lord says to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I read what I've not sown. I gather what I've not scattered. If you had any sense at all, you could have put that talent in the bank for me so that when I come back, at least the bank will put the interest, no matter how small that is. But... Because of your lack of productivity, all you do is make excuses. Listen to this. You can have results or excuses, but not both. You can either have results or excuses, but you can't have both. And the master said, you've proven to me that You are not beneficial to my kingdom and for my kingdom purposes. So you're only fit to be cast into the fire and burn up where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Get this. Fear-based decisions are always accompanied by negative outcomes. Faith-based decisions are always blessed by God. Let me say this again. Fear-based decisions are always accompanied by negative outcomes. Faith-based decisions are always blessed by God. Just like the song. Even though when I don't see you walking, right? Even though when I don't feel it. Even though I'm afraid to take the next step in my spiritual calling, my spiritual gifting. I will focus on Jesus Who is my guide and courage? 
Even though my healing is taking quite some time, I'm still going to praise and worship Jesus, who is my ultimate healer. Even though I'm in a very bad place right now, I'm still going to trust Jesus to pull me through. Even though I didn't get what I was expecting, I'm still going to trust Jesus, who is my true provider. Even though my relationship is falling apart, I'm still going to trust Jesus, who is my redeemer, like the song says. Even though this pandemic is still lingering, I am going to stay the course and continue to invest my time, my talent, and my treasure. For his sake, for his glory, and for his kingdom. Because the truth of the matter is, folks, we must give account of whatever we get from God when the time comes. And when I see Jesus face to face, I want to hear him say, Well done, O good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And that's my desire and prayer for all of you today. Finally, let's look at the parable of the sheep and the goats in verses 31 through 46. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to... Oh, sorry. I got to go to the next one. Unless I'm going to keep you here all day, right? You know, Matthew 25 is like three messages. We're trying to make it one here, folks. Okay, good. So let's move on. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, Then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides a sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goat on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of this, one of the least of, my, of this, my brethren, you did it to me. Verse 41, then it will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you curse, into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angel. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me. Uh, you did not clothe me. Seek and imprison, and you did not visit me. Then, it will, then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you, you did not do it to me. And this will go away into the everlasting punishment 
but the righteous into uh, eternal life. You see, this story explains to us how Jesus rejoices the nations, right? When he comes back in his glory with his holy angels, and this means that all the nations will be gathered before Jesus Christ, and he will judge them as individuals. Note, this will not be a judgment of groups, but of individuals within the nations. And notice that this gathering will be immediately followed by a separation. In other words, when all the nations gather together, all the people will be gathered before him, and he will separate one, just like the Bible said, one from another as the shepherd divides a sheep from the goats. I know this might be very difficult for us to hear God speaking of a separation and division among people, some of whom will enter into the everlasting joy of heaven and the rest of whom will enter into the everlasting hell. Listen to this. Hell was created for the devil and his angel, not for people. So whoever that falls into that category goes to that with the devil. Of course, even though hearing this makes us uncomfortable, but yet this is coming from the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ, who says that there's going to be a day of judgment. And when that day of judgment comes, you will be seated upon his throne. So Jesus said in this separation that he will set the sheep on his right hand, which is an honorable position, then the goats on his left hand, uh, which is a dishonored position. So who are those, these sheep individuals? The sheep individuals are those who have trusted Jesus Christ sincerely and cared for his people and his kingdom. Then the ghost individuals are those who have not trusted Jesus Christ sincerely and they have failed to care for his people and his kingdom. Well, you may say that this whole passage is all about works. Something like clothe the naked, feed the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, providing shelter, comforting the sick, prison visitation, and all of that. But remember this. We were told over and over again in the scripture that our justification is by faith in Christ alone, but not by mere profession of faith. Because the day you and I profess our faith in Jesus Christ, that day begins our transformation. And the change in your life, in my life, for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Please hear me right. We are not justified by our good works whatsoever. But we are justified unto good works. We are not saved by our good works. But we are saved unto do good works. Because the ultimate test by which you and I will be determined to be truly in Christ is whether there is any kingdom fruit in my life. Whether there is any kingdom fruit in your life. So it is right for believers to do good works. But this is not the way the unbelievers can be saved. Because your profession of faith, my profession of faith, will be judged by the works that you have performed, that I have performed in honor of Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, what about the time when I was hungry and you let me starve? What about the time when I was thirsty and you gave me no water to drink? What about the time when I had no clothes to put on? You completely ignored me. What about the time I was in prison? What about the time I was sick? And you, didn't, you couldn't even take time to visit me. 
What are you talking about, Jesus? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did he even see you sick or needing clothes or a stranger or in prison? And Jesus said, when my people were hungry, you didn't feed them. When they were thirsty, you didn't give them water to drink. When they were naked, you didn't clothe them. And when you failed in your sin of omission to minister to the least, the lost, and the lonely, who belonged to me, you didn't do it to me. Because how you treat my people, I judge to be a measuring rod of how you have treated me. So the main focus in this parable is what the king would say to those two groups. Those on his right, he said, come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. And to those on the left, he said, depart from me, you curse, into the everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and the angel. And the only interpretation to this, that on that judgment date, we will find out our destinies. And there are only two destinies. Eternal life for those who trust Christ sincerely and eternal punishment for those who reject Christ. And I truly believe that to be excluded from the inheritance of the kingdom of God will be the worst tragedy that a human being can ever experience. So in conclusion, here are the three main points from the three parables. No matter what view of prophecy we take, we know that Jesus is coming again. His return is coming. And these three parables are saying that as true Christians, as true believers, number one, we must be alert and ready and eagerly looking forward to his return. And we are to love and be excited for Jesus appearing again. And we should be watching, witnessing, and walking in anticipation of his second return. Number two, we must not waste our talents or opportunities because we know that we must be ready to give our account to Jesus Christ on that judgment day. And knowing that he asks us to be faithful and fruitful in whatever calling, whatever talent, whatever opportunities he has placed on our lives. Number three, he says, we must be there for the least, the lost, and the lonely by using our time, our talent, our opportunities in honor of Christ and for the sake of his kingdom. And then be ready for a judgment day. As I end today, can I ask you a favor? Before you go to bed tonight, before you fall asleep, when you put your head on the pillow, ask yourself in reference to these three parables, Am I a wise virgin? Am I a foolish virgin? Am I a faithful servant? Am I an unfaithful servant? Am I a sheep individual? Am I a goat individual? Is my faith in Christ real? Am I faithful? And fruitful in honor of Christ and for his kingdom. And finally, am I staying the course no matter what? 
Please stand up and we'll pray. Once again, our Father and our God, we need you more than ever before. Even though hearing all these parables makes us uncomfortable, so as we contemplate on them, I ask that please, Lord, that you will open our hearts, open our minds to your inspired words. Help us to understand this teaching. But beyond understanding them, Lord, help us to embrace them for our daily living, for our lives. Because even as you declared in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit is our helper, that it will teach us all things. It will bring to our remembrance all the things that you've said to us, Lord. So that we may continue to stay the course no matter what, knowing that our eternity is with you in your glorious kingdom. So, Lord, this is our petition today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.